We've been talking about、uh, rethinking churches, and we started a little while ago.、Um, actually, it was、uh, several weeks ago before we、uh, started. And、uh, so now we're kind of revisiting that. Back to the book of Acts. I'm going to do a quick rewind. The church started in a prayer meeting. The, uh, now that I got your attention, it really did. The church started in a prayer meeting. Jesus attracts a group of messed-up people to himself, invites them into God's family, and they start hanging around and following him. And they and he goes back to heaven and he says, "Okay, guys, wait here, Jerusalem. Wait, wait, wait for the Spirit to come. When the Spirit comes." He's going to give you power to tell other messed up people in this community, in the neighboring area, in the area across the tracks to those people that we don't like, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. So just wait, wait and pray. So they prayed and prayed and prayed for weeks. They prayed, and then what happened? Boom! Holy Spirit comes. The roof blows off the place. People from all over the known world, other self-identified messed-up people, hungry for a relationship with the Creator, they find a way to have their sins forgiven. Their lives begin to be transformed from the inside out, and boom, the church is off and running. And as we were talking about, this is what the early church looked like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Any word? Remember that a few weeks ago to the breaking of bread, that's community, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. They stuck at it. Well, how did they pray? How did the early church pray? I'm going to define、uh, prayer first of all by talking about what prayer is not. It's not talking to the genie in the lamp. It's not. A vending machine where you put in some coins, put in some currency, and hopefully get what you want. God is not a cosmic vending machine. It's not even a slot machine. You putting in your loonies and hope that whoo, sooner or later, jackpot, I will get what I want. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is not about informing God about stuff because He already knows everything. Prayer is about Relating to God, I have to come to prayer, listing a grocery list of stuff for God to do. It's kind of like a, not quite a like a honeydew list, but it's a to-do list. Say, God, we need all these things. I've got all these requests, and it's legitimate to bring a request to God. That's legitimate, even though He already knows about them. And some people ask a very good question: Why do we need to pray if God already knows them? And if He knows our hearts, I think it's always good for us to ask because that's how we build the relationship back and forth, and it builds our faith. Now, sometimes we pray out loud. Sometimes we pray with our eyes closed. That's not always advisable if you're walking or texting or doing other things. I'll tell you another story another time about my experience with that, but. We can pray in all kinds of ways. Kim mentioned she was kneeling. Sometimes we kneel. I always thought it would be cool that one of those churches with kneelers, although some of us with 
you know, bad joints, but that would be a hindrance. But there's something about a posture. Sometimes people pray literally lying down, prostrate on the floor. Or you can pray walking around. You can pray anywhere you want. But it's not about informing God and telling God, did you know this? Were you aware? Hello? He already knew that. But it's about us relating to God. And actually prayer, this isn't often taught, but prayer is a, it's a two-way thing. It's a two-way conversation. That's what it's meant to be. Do you have any one-way conversations or one-way relationships in your life? Friends who come and tell you everything about themselves in 45 minutes and do not ask you one single question about yourself? Ick. God does not want a one-way conversation with us, a one-way relationship. He wants to talk to us and for us to learn how to hear His voice. So prayer is really about relating to God, not so much telling Him stuff. Jesus, as He was teaching His friends how to pray, He put in a couple of qualifiers saying about things that prayer is not. This is from Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, not if you pray, he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by others. Hey, look at me, I'm praying. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What that means is, wow, maybe they got some kind of attention or people think they're holy or awesome or spiritual. Good on them. That's all they'll get out of that. Because God won't pay attention to that. But Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, that, does that mean we don't pray in public? No, of course, we had people praying in public today. Thank you for that, Bob. And, and Kim, they were leading us in prayer. That's good. That's appropriate. But they weren't doing it to be, ah, look at me, I'm Bob Colville, I pray in public. That's not his attitude. We know what he's like, and Kim doesn't do that, and she's not a spiritual exhibitionist, she's just praying from her heart. And that's how God wants us to relate to him. But it's the motives. We can, it's so easy to do the right thing for the wrong reason, and unfortunately, Sometimes the culture of the church can reinforce that. Because we allow moralism, outward appearances, to shape our behavior. We toe the line, we come in, we try to look good, and look like we've got everything together. Because we don't want to be judged by other people, we don't want to reveal our weaknesses, we really don't want to be vulnerable, so we just kind of keep people at arm's length and we even keep God at arm's length like that. But when we pray with that kind of an attitude, when we pray just to be seen and out of fear of other people's opinions, well, that's all we're going to get. So Jesus said, don't be a spiritual exhibitionist. Don't pray for show. The other thing he said about praying, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they will think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
it was common in those days for people to go on and on and on and on. I don't know if you've been in some prayer meetings or praying with some people. They go on and on and on and on. When I was a kid, I grew up in a church that didn't have written down prayers. They were kind of quote-unquote spontaneous, extemporary prayers, except I realized later they really weren't. But I thought that any church that had a written down prayer, well, that was kind of less spiritual. I've changed my mind on that. There's real value in in writing our prayers and, and praying prayers that have been written because Christian history is really rich with uh, prayers that have been prayed by other people. Last week I was praying with a friend and this is a prayer that he prayed with me. And it, it's very familiar if you've been, uh, if you know anyone who's connected with Alcoholics Anonymous, it's this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, On the one hand, we don't want to go rattle on and on and on and on just to be heard. Because God knows what we need. But there is value in being concrete and specific. And sometimes those written down prayers, prayed by other folks who have journeyed with Jesus before us and left a good legacy, sometimes we can relate to those prayers. My regular devotional plan that I follow, a fellow named Sky Jitani, um, includes an ancient prayer for a week. And sometimes they kind of resonate and sometimes they don't. But it's amazing to see how Jesus' followers from the 4th century or the 18th century, I can relate to their heart stuff because I go through the same thing too. At any rate, Jesus is saying as he teaches his followers, don't pray for show. And don't rattle on aimlessly. Now it's kind of ironic that Jesus is about to teach his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And it's caused some people grave concern that we're not allowed to pray the Lord's Prayer in schools anymore. And there are positive things and negative things about that. I think, I remember, I think it was in public school, it was that far back. No, it wasn't the one room blog schoolhouse that I went to. Uh, although they had recently closed those. But <laughs> um, we still prayed the Lord's Prayer, I think, when I was a kid. By the time I got to high school, that wasn't kosher. Except for my French teacher, Mr. Harding. He had us pray the Lord's Prayer in French because it was French class. So we did the Lord's Prayer for the first half of the year. Notre Père, Volonté. I can't remember the rest of it. And then in the second half of the year, we prayed uh, Psalm 23 in French. L'Eternel de Montbourget, je ne manque rien. That's all we can remember. Jacques, do you kind of understand what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. So it is the right language. That's good. Um, but it's kind of ironic that just before Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer, that he says, don't rattle it on, don't babble on. And the problem with these written down prayers, like the Lord's Prayer, you can pray them so automatically, you don't stop and think about why you're praying. This morning we're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer, bit by bit, phrase by phrase. And I just invite you, as Kim was inviting us this morning to pray, to think about what we're praying and think about what we're going into. One more thing. 
Don't be like the pagans who are babbling and trying to manipulate God. That's the vending machine approach to prayer, right? The pagans think they will be heard because of their many words. God is like some kind of a crank in the machine. If you just crank the machinery the right way, you're going to get what you want. The universe owes you a blessing, and if you just pray the right way, the universe is going to deliver it. Probably sound, I sound like I've been watching too much late night TV or going to those wrong websites online. You know, that's not true because God is not someone to be manipulated. He's not a thing or a machine. In fact, Jesus says, your father, your papa, your abba, knows what you need before you ask him. Wait a minute. God knows what we need before we ask him. So, hello, what's the hold up here? I think he's waiting for us to ask. It's not because he has a weak ego, or he's insecure, or he's manipulative. He wants a relationship with us. As our Creator, He created us to be in relationship with Him. And when we keep Him at arm's length, it's not much of a relationship, right? So this is how Jesus taught His friends to pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very quickly, some of us will have problems with that second word. What's that second word? Our... Sorry, what's the second word? It's our... What? Some of us, that's a four-letter word. Our word we don't have much experience whether through abuse or neglect or other circumstances, it's just absence. Sometimes we just don't have a father figure in our life. It's hard to connect with that. Technically, I mean, God has chosen in His Word to reveal Himself as a loving Father. That's how He's trying to make it clear to human experience what He's like. And technically, God is neither male nor female. He doesn't have a gender per se, but He's chosen to reveal Himself to human culture in a way that's understandable. The problem is, it's not that God has revealed Himself as Father. The problem is, is that human fathers often get it wrong. Sometimes they get it right through the grace of God. And praise God for those people who get it right. God also reveals His grace through mothers as well, through parents. And that's a beautiful thing. But remembering the attitude that we're supposed to be in, that God would love us to be in with Him. Even though our human families have their failures and foibles, God invites us into His with a whole new set of values, a whole new set of household rules. And it's His desire to pour His agape, no-strings-attached love into us and help that be reality for us. So when we come and talk to Him, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your name is special. A person's name in the Bible is all about their identity. We may not think so much about what name we choose for our child today, but in Bible times it was very significant, the whole naming of a person. And God's name says so much about His character. That's why we sing that song, 
Blessed be your name. It means why wow, your character is awesome, who you are. There's so many names for God. That's a good tangent, but we won't get off on that. But it's, it's all about revealing God's character and who he is. So when we say hallowed, it's like awesome, holy, wow. So non-like us. And that's a good thing. So unmessed up. Your kingdom come. If you follow Jesus, you'd have at least two passports. A Canadian or whatever nation you're attached to legally. And you have a passport in the kingdom of heaven. Earth rebelled against its creator. And things have been messed up ever since. But God invaded planet Earth through Jesus. And he started a kingdom that is taking over, a kingdom of love that is taking over this planet. And we're invited to be part of that holy insurrection that sets things right, that restores justice and mercy and blessing and God's rule over the planet, the way things were intended to be in the first place. So when we pray, your kingdom comes saying, God, make it happen. So we pray for peace in Syria. We pray for peace in our homes. We pray, we work and pray for justice for Shoal Lake 40, which is where we get our Winnipeg water from. And those people have been without clean water for almost 20 years. So we pray for that to be done. For God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now God can force us to do His will because He's God. But He's choosing to work with people who voluntarily submit to Him, love Him, are in relationship with Him, and follow Him. You get it? Like His well-loved children. So let's pray this prayer, part of the Lord's Prayer. And just, we'll read it out together, and then we'll just sit quietly with it and ask God to show us what particular things do you want done. Incidentally, it says, Your will be done, not my will be done. That's why the vending machine doesn't work when we, in Christian prayer, okay? We get in line with Him, trust Him as a loving Father, and ask Him to, to do things. So let's read this prayer together. Or let's pray together as we read. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's just close our eyes for a couple of minutes. Think of specific things that pertain to this that you're asking God to intervene with. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. The next part of the prayer says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. David, could you turn this mic on, please, for a minute? I'm going to, um, I've asked Jake and Tia, or Jake anyway, to talk about a recent experience of how God has provided their daily bread. Okay, Jake, tell us your story. Hi, everyone. So, uh, basically, three uh, Fridays ago, uh, the company I was working for went bankrupt, so... Uh, it was a shock, to say the least. Uh, and then the answer to prayer was that I found a job last Friday, and this was my first week of, of working there. So it was just extremely quick, and uh, 
yeah, you found me a job, no problem. I asked other people to help pray with me and uh, asked for his guidance and where to be most effective. And yeah, everything came into play. And I prayed for basically everything nonstop and, and yeah, asked for strength as well. What do, you, what do you think God's taught you through that, Jake? Uh, I think a big part of it was I didn't just ask and pray for just to give me a job, uh, even to give me the best job. I asked him to give me the job that he wants me to have and to give me the strength to know where to go and, and how to find it and how to work hard at getting the job as well instead of just landing in my lap. But what do you think you've learned? What has this experience taught you? Uh, well, it's definitely uh, uh, it increased my faith a lot because I asked for something and it was a huge stress in our marriage, T and I. And it just it happened so quick. And uh, it's, it's such a large blessing, right? Yeah, great. And you're making a little bit more money. Oh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> that you're kind of giving God a hand in that because when Jake first called me I felt like oh man like a two by four hit me in that and uh, now this is a this is a great story and we celebrate with that we don't always get answers as quickly as that or as quickly as we like and sometimes God's timing his scheduling can be agonizingly slow and we're wondering come but I think it's significant that Jake has said, God, give me the job that you want me to have. That's key. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that's what he means. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God can't forgive us unless we forgive the people that we're holding stuff against. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's just asking for spiritual protection. Right? Spiritual protection. It doesn't... Um, if you have a, a an eating problem and you hang out in the junk food aisle and say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. There's a bit of a disconnect there, right? It, it, it's better to say as you walk past the aisle with all the chips and goodies and snacks, saying, God, take me into the produce aisle and help me to find something good to eat. Like That's the way we kind of walk that out. That's the intent behind this. So let's pray the second half of the prayer together. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's take a couple minutes and pray these prayers. Personalize them. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So prayer is not about informing God. Prayer is about relating to God as a loving Father. 
Let me give you one more. I uh, just want to give you one more prayer tip. We could talk about praying a lot. That's just a, a couple more minutes. I just want to give you a, a suggestion for how we can implement prayer in our everyday lives. It says in the New Testament that we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Okay, how do you do that when you're driving, theoretically, with your eyes open or, you know, texting, walking along the side awkward? How do we pray without ceasing? How do we develop that kind of attitude? A friend of mine has been teaching me about a, a prayer, an ancient prayer method that early Christians used to pray. Christians through uh, history. And I realize now, I, I prayed this when I was sick several years ago in the hospital. When I was in the hospital, I used to recite the first line of Psalm 23 in English to myself. God, my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. And I used to pray that in the middle of the night when I was fussing and fretting and stewing. Well, that reminds me, I need to do that more often when I fuss and fret in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't need a thing. What some Christians do is they kind of, they call it a breathing prayer. You can almost breathe it in and breathe it out. This is not meditation. This is not transcendental meditation where you get some random word from a foreign language and repeat it until you go numb in your head and any thought lands in your brain. It's meditating, it's chewing, digesting the Word of God and taking it into your spirit. So if we pray, God my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. It kind of naturally rises and falls on your breath. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Or you can pray, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. That's one of my favorite prayers. Lord, have mercy. I know I say it jokingly, but I really mean it. There are times when I really mean it when I say, Lord, have mercy. We can pray this in different ways, but I think that's one of the ways we can pray without ceasing. If you're cutting the grass or out for a walk or doing something kind of routinely, give it a try. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Or God will show you some other phrase. And I think it'll soak into our spirits and help us make aware of being with God. Because prayer isn't about telling God stuff. It's about relating to Him. Because He wants to speak to us.